0: This is Annie Berglund, cat owner, struggling vegan, and teacher of animal ethics, and you're listening to Seeing Animals, a little project to highlight the lesser-known spaces where animals exist, because I believe that when we start seeing animals, we start caring about them. Thank you for joining us. I'm here in Virtue Salon in Columbus, Ohio, a salon which uses entirely cruelty-free and vegan products and services. And I'm just thrilled to be here and to meet you, Melanie Guzzo, who is the founder of Virtue Salon. Thank you for having me.
1: And thanks for coming, I guess, is what I should say. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, I've never been to Columbus before, and it just seems kind of like a warmer, bigger Minneapolis. So <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. An improvement in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, so let me just set this episode kind of in the narrative of the class. So we've considered kind of the idea of utilitarianism, um, that something is... Morally right if it's done for the greater good. This applies to animal ethics if we're kind of considering the greater good being for the human population. And it's a broad spectrum of perspectives. You have people who deem certain forms of use to be excessive or unnecessary, and then you have some others who say, yes, we can use animals, but it needs to be done in the most humane way possible. And so we're looking uh, as a class into two forms of animal research and testing the first being medical testing, and then the second being cosmetic testing. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you um, because of your ethical concerns for inhumane cosmetics. So as we get started, can I first just ask why styling and what made you start a career in hair? Oh, what made me
1: start a career in hair? Well, actually, it's not a very exciting story. I <laughs> I went to a vocational school during high school, so I have a little bit of a non-traditional story. I was a bit of a troublemaker in high school and I just. Was really creative. I mean, I was loved by my teachers, but I think that I made them want to pull their hair out. (laughs) And my parents felt the same way. And I would actually just always be doing people's hair on the side because I was just a creative soul. And there was an opportunity to go to a cosmetology program. And that's what I did. So I've actually been doing hair quite a long time since I was 17 years old. So about 17 years now. Awesome. Half of my life, which is really (laughs) weird. So that's That's really how I never thought I'd stay doing it. I thought I'd become an art teacher. That's what I went to college for.
0: But then I ended up staying in the cosmetology world. So here I am. So I'm really excited because you are committing yourself to using humane cosmetics, which doesn't just benefit our skin it, but it also benefits animals um and not using any kind of animal byproducts or products made from testing so um could I then ask you how you got interested in the whole area of humane cosmetics sure so i
1: actually didn't know anything about you know what it meant to have a humane business or something that i would consider ethical as a business and i was let's see i was 22 years old when i first thought of the concept to open a salon which mm. now seems like i was extremely <laughs> young but i had this idea and i couldn't really i kept trying on different concepts and nothing seemed to fit and at one point in my early 20s i really struggled with horrible skin issues okay and i tried to get on different prescriptions different things to try to help me but eventually i found research like on the internet at the time and just through some books i read that perhaps using vegan, like a vegan diet could maybe have, you know, some effects on my skin that would be for the better. And it mm-hmm. actually worked. So then I started to just, you know, it's kind of like when you get a red car, you think everybody has a red car. You start seeing <laughs> yes. all the red cars, right? Exactly. So I started realizing the word vegan different places. And um, that was how I first entered into this lifestyle. And it was literally to help my skin. And then I realized that there were shampoos at Whole Foods that said vegan. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) so some things that we use in other ways, not just food, would have animal products in them. Mm -hmm. And that's how the whole journey began. And then I thought, well, why don't we have a vegan salon? Mm -hmm. And that's when it started to feel right. Also, when it comes to the earth and being eco-friendly and Mm -hmm. making choices like um, what kind of... uh, like whether you recycle or compost and if you reuse a chair versus buying a new chair. So veganism ended up just pairing really well with what I already believed in. And I just didn't realize though until yeah. I had that little eye-opening experience. So
0: yeah. And how long ago did you start the salon here?
1: It was 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we just turned 10, which is wild. Congrats.
0: As well. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a great journey. <laughs> yeah, uh, before when we were walking through the salon, um, it's adorable and there's a lot of like vintage feel to it too. Yeah. So you were talking about kind of like refurbished or reclaimed um, yes. furniture. How do you incorporate that? So, I, you know,
1: initially. I just imagined buying all new furniture, but then I realized that my dad had my great grandfather's barber chair in his garage and I would cut my dad's hair in the garage in this chair that had an ashtray in the arm full of old cigarette butts. Literally that's because that's how it used to be. You could smoke in the salon or barbershop. Um, And I was like, oh, well, wait, maybe I should use that. So that became the the centerpiece, like the cornerstone of the business. And then we just started to collect um, secondhand Mm. furniture and repurpose them and refurbish them. Uh, And even most of the light fixtures here and most anything you find inside of the walls of Virtue Salon, with the exception of like our newer mirrors that we couldn't find repurposed. um, That's
0: what we do. We try to do that first with everything we have. It's being conscientious and intentional in kind of every aspect of the business, not just in the products you sell, but in even the chairs people sit in. Yeah, because,
1: I mean, consumerism is a huge environmental issue. So Mm -hmm. if we can cut back on that, and it's amazing how older chairs actually last longer than newer
0: ones, (laughs) as everybody knows. So it's a little extra work, but it's been worth it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is just like a crash course in conscientious consuming
1: it is cool to be able to think through that and be like oh I can use this thing that already exists Mm -hmm. and it has charm and character and patina or whatever Mm -hmm. and that's powerful
0: yeah or to go to a store and say okay I've always thought about what goes into food but I've never thought about looking at labels for everything else that I consume right whether that's medicine or um, makeup or lipstick or whatever absolutely was there ever a time that you wanted to kind of give up in the middle of this mission at all, like what? How was it? Pretty easy from the start, or how? How might you have struggled through some of being a unique salon um, next mm-hmm. to a bunch of just standard practice ones?
1: Sure, uh, there were a few times that I wanted to give up. I mean, at the very beginning, uh, it was hard because there weren't as many options to find hair color shampoo conditioner high performance salon products. Mm-hmm. Because in addition to being eco-friendly and vegan, sulfate-free and paraben-free, which are all of our concepts that we believe in, we wanted to have comparable products to any other salon just to prove that you can have this without animal products and without animal testing, et cetera. And at the beginning, it was more challenging. There wasn't as many companies available and there wasn't as much knowledge. I mean, there wasn't Instagram yet either. And I know Instagram seems like, okay, whatever, it's social media. but. In our industry as beauty professionals, it's so easy to find resources that way. And we found vegan product lines through social media. So as time's gone on, that's become easier. But there has been another couple times where people would kind of pick on us for being a vegan salon before it became more mainstream. Okay. People wouldn't understand really what it meant. They're like, do you have food there? I don't get it. It's a vegan salon. Like, you know, one of my friends used to joke, he's like, you're going to wash my hair with lettuce. That's what he'd always say, which he was being funny, you know, goofball about it. But um, yeah, we had people discourage us because they're like, this is too niche and people are going to be discouraged. You're going to intimidate people from coming. But, you know, we'd try it on for size at different points and be like, you know, this is what we believe in. And it's interesting because as we stayed the course that we believed in, stayed true to our core values, the vegan community has grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. So it's made it actually a no-brainer now that that's just what I believe in. That's what, you know, me as a business owner that started this business, that's literally an extension of me. Yeah. So I had to stay true to it. But there has been some challenging times because you think of – uh the controversial things being politics and religion. And mm. honestly, being vegan is extremely controversial. So yeah. sometimes there's a bit of pressure and you just think, maybe I don't want to do this. I just want to conform so that I don't have to like have these hard conversations or people tell me I need to eat a cheeseburger or whatever, even right. or your business, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, um, there were times I wanted to give up, but I am so grateful now that
0: I've realized that those things weren't worth, you know, a second thought. And I'm glad we've stayed. Oh, for sure. And I think it shows the integrity of your mission, too, that um, you have been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. And as I've looked up other vegan, cruelty-free salons, um, they're few and far between as it is. They are, yes. And I think I've seen most pop up in the last, like, three, four years. Sure. Absolutely. As those trends have built up on each other. Yes. Um, So I was really shocked to hear that this has been around for 10 years. Like, that (laughs) feels like you were kind of pioneers in that industry. We kind of
1: were, I think think. I, I mean, at the time when we first started, we tried to look up other vegan salons and we just didn't find very many, yeah. if any, I think at the beginning. So yeah, it was kind of fun yeah. being the <laughs> only one
0: in the area at very least. So. Special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um Could you tell me a little bit in the listeners what the difference is between selling vegan products and services versus selling cruelty-free products and services? Sure. So... A cruelty-free product
1: isn't necessarily vegan, okay. and a vegan product, I guess, would most likely be cruelty-free, but uh, cruelty-free doesn't necessarily mean it's free of animal ingredients. It okay. just means that, you know, to get it here, it hasn't been tested on an animal. When it comes to the beauty products, especially in the salon world, there's a few main ingredients that can be found in cruelty-free products, but they aren't actually vegan, and those include beeswax, lanolin, silk proteins, and keratin, actually. Okay.
0: Another interesting thing that you kind of hinted at is that, so some of these products, um, you know, they they might be labeled cruelty-free mm-hmm. on the shelf. Um, that doesn't always necessarily mean that they're entirely cruelty-free. Correct. So it's like similar right. to a USDA food label. Mm-hmm. Um, it might say cage-free, but it's probably not the cage-free right. that we're envisioning in our minds, right? Oh, right. So exactly. So with cruelty-free, um, what I've heard is that oftentimes – the The original ingredients Mm -hmm. might have been tested on animals, but it's just that their final product Mm -hmm. could have benefited from that. But because they didn't utilize it as a company, then they can write no no animal testing. Right, and
1: that is, I think, something that you know is a gray area. Sometimes, because when you're looking at a product and you look at the label and it could say this, mm. but you have to think deeper with it. I mean, that certainly can happen. Um, I think that when it comes to companies, the cool thing now is that you can do a lot of research on the company and figure out who the founders are and figure out what their mission is in business, which of course you never really know them, I guess, but you can still get a lot of information about what they believe. And mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful.
0: Yeah. Has there ever been instances where perhaps you've had a cruelty-free item, but then you've had to stop using it because maybe they've stopped being cruelty-free or um, maybe there was a little bit more that you didn't see yes. on the surface?
1: Yeah. We A couple years ago, actually, we had been carrying a product line since we pretty much first opened. And it was our most successful product line that we, we sold on the shelves, which for a small business, that's a big deal yeah. when you have a successful product line, right? So one day, one of our vegan clients brought back a product and was like, this is not vegan. And we mm-hmm. did know that the company at one point had reformulated, rebranded, and re- like repackaged their product. And on all of their labels, it said 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, all of the things we wanted. Mm-hmm. But then as we looked through each and every label, it had a silk protein in it that was actually derived from silkworms.
0: Which, oh, okay. you know,
1: to some people, maybe that's not a big deal, but to us, it still was from a living being. Yeah. So we're like, we can't continue to sell this. So we pulled it off the shelves that day, hoping that the company could give us some answers. And as we talked to them on the phone, the best answer they could give us was, well, it depends how you define vegan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it doesn't really. Like, you know, I understand that people in their personal lives can be like, okay, well, I'll consume honey or i will going to use products with beeswax, and that's fine. And that's up to them. But, as a business that's making a stance, we must be able to be reputable to all of the clients that come in. Right. So we pulled it off the shelves and sure enough, it it was just the silk protein was in everything. So we had to just change directions. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was scary to us because we started to realize that we couldn't take a company at face value and be like, oh, they say they're vegan, so they're vegan. Mm-hmm. It actually happens often, especially with short hair styling products that are like waxes and things like that. Oh, no. A company, I am short hair. Right. <laughs> oh no. and a lot of companies will say we have a fully vegan line, but they don't say anything about the little pucks of wax. Okay. And those often have beeswax in them because synthetic b- beeswax and other types of wax don't stand up quite the same. Okay, So we run into that also where people brand something as vegan and we we won't carry it. We're very, very picky now. We go through each and every ingredient. We question people. We drive them crazy. And then we finally decide whether or not we're bringing them in because of what we've learned.
0: Well, yeah. And uh, any of those like holding or those gels, like something made of beeswax, those are really commonly used too. Yeah. And yeah. it's a
1: really, you know, and as an ingredient, it's super useful. So of course it's like you know, it's right there. Everybody
0: wants to put it in stuff because it works. <laughs> right. And I like that you mentioned bees as well, just and silkworms too, because um, on some level, I could see how people would differentiate yes. a silkworm from a rabbit. Of and course. Say, especially mm-hmm. given our, our cultural... Um, lens towards yes. rabbits as being like a pet versus right. silkworms as kind of being a foreign or kind of gross yeah. alien. It's like an insect <laughs> yes. who cares. That's totally... Right. Yeah. And so thinking about... And and I mean, typically, when I've heard of animal testing, it's been animal testing done on rabbits, on mice, on rats, on guinea pigs. Right. Um, and less is talked about bees mm-hmm. and silkworms. So that's I think that's a really important just to know that the scope of this is much more than just rabbits and rats. Yeah, totally. So so maybe to define or to consider what we mean by animal testing, um, typical procedures can be something like testing ocular toxicity, testing dermal corrosion. Um, so often, you know, they could take a rabbit and they could shave part of the hair off of it, um, you know, put that test substance on and then just wait and see if there's any ulcers, any burns, any rashes. And same thing with the eyes, like putting... Um, Actual test substances in the eyeballs of animals and just sitting and watching. And unfortunately, what can happen is that if the damage is too great, oftentimes those animals are just euthanized because that's Mm -hmm. the cheaper option than trying to then rehabilitate them. Um, So that's the most unfortunate, I think, graphic part. Yeah. Of some of this. For sure. Um, so if we're thinking about alternatives, animal testing, I know there's like simulators and there's um, sometimes human volunteers. Yeah. You can go, or you can be paid to do some like product testing too. There's computer modeling. And all of this testing is done for safety. It's just to measure how it's going to impact our skin, right? right. Is there any difference in quality that you've seen between the products you use and the products that are labeled as um, not cruelty-free?
1: You know, it's funny. We've been using cruelty-free products for a long time now. And I just feel like every product line we end up moving into, which we end up having a product line for multiple years, as long as they don't sneak weird ingredients in, like (laughs) I mentioned earlier. Right. But honestly, I feel like When you have a company that's cruelty-free and perhaps vegan, Mm -hmm. you can assume, and what I have found, that they actually care more about their ingredients and it ends up being a better product. So that does, it's funny, it affects it in a positive way. I have never found that it's become an issue just because they don't test on animals. Sure. At least in this day and age, right? I'm sure there might have been a time in the past, years and years and years ago, before the modern beauty industry was what it is today that maybe that would have been an issue but now there's so much information that i think people can actually make incredible products without having to do that in my opinion
0: yeah and at least anecdotally i have never heard of a friend of mine using something cruelty free or vegan and then getting a rash from it or getting any kind of like negative impact on their skin no
1: i mean unless you have like an allergy to something specific but no it's not yeah It ends up being better, in my opinion.
0: Is there any kind of product or service that you would like to use, but you just haven't found um, a way to do so uh, and still maintain your cruelty-free mission? Uh, Yeah,
1: actually, there has been a couple services over the years that we have really wanted to offer, but unfortunately, we haven't been able to find the right products. The two services that we've wished that we could offer that we've had trouble with There's three, but there's two main ones. Uh, The first one is a smoothing treatment to, you know, relax, maybe coarse or wavy hair, curly hair. And we've had trouble finding a product that could do that without animal products. So for a while, we were carrying one and it ended up being part of that same line that had silk proteins and everything. So we had to pull that. And since then, we have been unsuccessful in finding one because often- Most smoothing treatments that are really good, that work well, high performance for the salon have keratin in them. And keratin is derived from antlers, hooves, bones of animals. So that's what makes it effective Mm. and it makes the hair feel amazing. It can even be found in shampoos and conditioners too. Just as a side note, but that's why we've had trouble finding a smoothing treatment that works. You ha- I mean, you should check every ingredient if you're concerned about it because keratin's in a lot of things mm-hmm. as far as shampoos and conditioners, oh, even yeah. high performance ones. As yeah. someone
0: who doesn't know any of the ingredient names, that's yeah. one where I'm like, oh, I've heard that before, yeah. probably because it's in a lot. And you can find
1: uh, different. Products have plant-based keratin, Mm vegetable-derived, and it's pretty easy to discover which ones they are by just reading the ingredient list, for sure. Okay, so there's that,
0: and then any other services at all?
1: Yeah, so perming has been really challenging. we found... A couple of vegan, cruelty-free perms, but we've then had a really hard time getting, like, education or backing from the company to, like, help us learn how to use them properly. So we started to roll them out recently, and I know perms seem really dated, but <laughs> we're in a very hip little neighborhood called Clintonville in the middle of Columbus, and... Lots of people get perms and like green hair. We do mullets and we yes. do long, beautiful balayage hair too. But I've seen we the do coolest all of- <laughs> hair
0: on this street. Yeah,
1: there's some cool stuff around here. So people were like wanting perms, you know, and uh, we've really had a hard time getting the products we want. Like, there's a product I want to use here really badly, mm. and it is not vegan. I've called the company like five times. I've asked for everybody. I've like asked for ingredient lists and everything, and it's just not vegan. Oh. I think it has keratin in it, if I remember right, but. Uh, that's one of them. And then one of the other things that we aren't really so interested in now, but we we were at one point was eyelash extensions. and eyelash extensions uh, use a different kind of ad- use an adhesive okay. and the adhesives are almost always they almost always have animal ingredients in them. So we haven't been able to find a vegan one. so, Those are the three services. Mm. Definitely the smoothing treatment's the number one that we haven't been able to find a solution for, though.
0: Yeah, but at least, like, I'm thinking about the traditional services of a salon, like haircut, color, foil. All of those seem like it's very doable. Absolutely. It's been no problem at all uh, just to have,
1: you know, our standard services that are actually like the bread and butter, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, of
0: our our company. We can do completely vegan easily. It seems as though... There's kind of an option for anything that you might envision, other than like a perm. Pretty much,
1: and you know now companies have evolved a lot. Uh, when we first started ten years ago, there was very few options for vegan companies, and then now it's like companies realize that the consumer cares more, so they're starting to at least come up with like sublines. And so, like, they might have, like, their general, like, very popular line of hair color products, whatever, that they've had for years. Mm. And then they're like, oh, we need to start this subline that's, like, cruelty-free and vegan or fragrance-free or whatever, you know, they're starting to, to hear the consumer in that way. And then really what we found, too, that any new emerging company, for the most part, is going to have at least some of these properties. Like, either they're going to have an eco-friendly approach with their packaging or, they are going to be vegan cruelty free perhaps sulfate free paraben free like you you kind of have to to compete now which is encouraging in a lot of ways in my opinion so yeah, yeah.
0: do you have any kind of commitment or dedication to the brands that are entirely um vegan and cruelty free not just a line
1: yeah so we do have to just with like one of our lines we have to carry just part of it because it's not entirely vegan but we're kind of stuck with it because uh-huh. We don't have as many options in that particular product. But generally speaking, we really prefer to go with fully vegan companies because then when they come out with new products, we don't have to, you know, just break our backs, basically going through the ingredients, making sure it's completely vegan. Um, we do prefer that. I mean, this is the number one choice. And if there's a company that's fully vegan and it's like fits all of our needs, we would definitely like get rid of other companies and go just with that one. That's just how we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense too. With your, You're also really tapped into the vegan community here beyond just vegan cosmetics, right?
1: Right. So we've realized over the last couple of years, we've really recognized who we are as a business because I think it took us a while to just really like fly our vegan flag and be exactly (laughs) who we wanted to be. Like, But now that the vegan community is growing and there's so many ways to be connected through, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, I know that's social media, but still it's like you can still stay connected, watch what other businesses are doing. And what we've done is uh, partner with several vegan businesses and we have different events multiple times a week, especially in the warmer months here that celebrate and connect the businesses. So on Fridays and Saturdays, we have Two different uh, vegan food trucks out front of mm-hmm. our space. On Fridays, we have The Little Kitchen. And on Saturdays, we have Satan's Realm.
0: It's a great name.
1: I know. It's pretty funny because, you know, Satan <laughs> is a vegan me. And then the play on words, it's kind of it's awesome. Like a, it's
0: like a demon logo. Yes. And <laughs> they're the
1: sweetest people. It's like really funny. It's very <laughs> incongruent, but in a congruent way. Like it's awesome. So, and they've been just wildly successful. Satan's Realm in particular launched here at Virtue Salon. And they had like a three-hour line. People were getting sunburns waiting in line to get like their – it's like basically like vegan Arby's mm, is what okay. you can imagine. They have like curly fries and they have a beef and cheddar sandwich. They have just incredible food. Oh, so like comfort food. It's comfort food. Yes. They always joke. They're like, you know, you're an ethical vegan if you're eating at Satan's Realm because you're not doing it for your health. That's what They <laughs> said that. And it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, yeah, so we partner with them and there's a vegan donut company that's outside of Columbus and just multiple other small businesses that we've been able to do pop-ups here. And it's just really awesome because it brings... The community together. Mm -hmm. And when people come to a food truck, then they know about our salon. And when people come to the salon, they know about the food truck. So uh, we've actually had a blast in the last couple years. And the vegan community in Columbus, Ohio is exploding. It's better than a lot of other cities, actually, which is really weird (laughs) because... It's Columbus, Ohio, like, like in, still the in the middle of the Midwest. Yep. Yes. So, anyway, if anybody's listening and they decide to come on a vegan <laughs> journey, you will not be
0: disappointed in is, Columbus. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And I can attest to that, too. I sat down and, uh, like, one of the first things you did was make a list of, like, <laughs> 10 different places I should go to that yeah. are vegan. And I All did go vegan. to, I went to what? Eden Burger, yep. uh, Porsche's yes. diner, Porsche's Cafe, is it?
1: So, Porsche's Diners across the street. But yeah, Porsche's Cafe is up the road. Yeah, yeah exactly. And
0: delicious. And, um, Coming from Minneapolis, we have some really great places too, but it's a little bit more spread out. So it's nice that there's so much even just on this street. Right. On its own. So much. And you are right in that this has become trendier. I mean, today I think there's there's a couple thousand cosmetic companies that exist that are committed to just cruelty-free products, um, which is so much more than I thought. Like going to Target, I'd be like, okay, I guess Pacifica is one line that I know of, or Mm -hmm. Love Beauty Planet is another one. But uh, you guys sell a lot of, is it R&Co? R&Co, yes. Uh Which I've heard of too as being kind of having almost everything that you might need. Everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's cool because that company, we actually wanted to take them on a few years ago and they weren't fully vegan and they the owners of the company went vegan so they started to make sure everything was completely vegan and cruelty free so as soon as they did we brought them on we had been waiting for years I would like look at other salons like in the window like look in the windows <laughs> of other salons and be like oh they have R and co I wish we had it and then eventually it happened and it's awesome oh,
0: so, so cute. Like when will my day come?
1: we wanted it so bad and it's been awesome and yes it's So relieving that it's all vegan. Yeah, I've I've
0: seen it at like non-vegan salons. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Like it's um, high quality. It is. It's incredible. I actually bought some of it yesterday. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or things like there's Leaping Bunny logo. So like um, if you are concerned about whether a product says it's cruelty free, but some of the single ingredients maybe were tested on animals. Leaping Bunny does the research for you. So you can just look for a little bunny logo on a lot That's of awesome. different products. I'm not sure that every cruelty-free brand has that logo on it. So you may want to check, but at least, you know, like the ones that I found with this logo, yeah. they're good to go. And there's also been so many like celebrity endorsements. I think like half the cast of Game of Thrones... Uh, has promoted cruelty-free products
1: i actually did not know that i feel like i'm a little bit outside of pop culture sometimes that's amazing (laughs) oh yeah yep yep.
0: you can look on their social media not just cruelty free too but kind of the whole gambit of vegan missions and and then you have places like lush cosmetics that i think oh yes i think most people that i've met have known about lush or have seen it you know like in the mall Um, their products are kind of everywhere and yes. um, them and Paul Mitchell, they're not just like selling the products, but it seems like they're actually trying to get laws changed. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Um. In fact, this last fall, there was a bill introduced to Congress. Uh, so it's not a law yet, but it's called the Humane Cosmetics Act um, of 2019, and its kind of purpose is to phase out animal tested products in the U.S. And that seems like a really lofty goal. However, it mirrors a law that was already established um, and passed in California called the Cruelty-Free Cosmetics Act, which bans the sale of animal-tested cosmetic products. It's in their final form as well as the basic ingredients. Everything has to be cruelty-free. Very encouraging. Um, Yeah, for sure. And kind of the idea behind it is that these animal-tested products are unnecessary which I think yeah. is what you've painted a really good picture of. They're unnecessary. And that California is one of the biggest world economies. Um, Obviously, companies are wanting to take that step now to be able to tap into that market. Um, So they're revamping and, and rethinking their commitment to animal testing, which is probably why you get some of those big name companies with lines that are eco-friendly or lines that yeah. are vegan or cruelty-free. How, how prevalent do you think right now inhumane cosmetics are in the industry, though, even with all of this improvement. Does it seem like most salons um, and most stores are still putting out uh, products that have been tested on animals?
1: Yes, unfortunately. I mean, I guess as far as tested, I think a lot of companies, I think, would jump on that before jumping on vegan. So maybe like there's more awareness about testing than there is about maybe you know vegan and animal based ingredients. Sure. But in the salon world as a whole. It's pretty common to just pick what's most high performance and that's the easiest, right? Um, Or maybe the most affordable too. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of people that are independent uh, hairdressers and you're running a very tiny business. So you may be looking for the price point versus the, uh, you know, the ethical stance on a a product. So that is going to be really common. I was just at Ulta, I was looking, I was looking through different, um, ingredients and different things like face masks and different things like that. And it was pretty shocking to see that a lot of things that I was picking up were either they didn't have fully vegan ingredients Mm. or they had like high chemical content. And I was like, dang, like, that's unfortunate that this most beautiful branded packaging, you know, that's attracting me to it is unfortunately not great for me or maybe the environment and especially animals, right? So when it comes to... Salons, it's it's you know there's lots of beautiful marketing out there, right. and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be great for animals, the environment, or humans. Right. But it may
0: sell, so that sometimes ends up trumping anything else. Right. So that's a real thing. Yeah, a lot of our choices can just be in a second, and it's yes. just like, oh, this appeals to me in. Some way, right? Right. I know for most of my life it's been like, oh, it smells good. I'll get it. <laughs> yeah. And right? not even thinking how it might actually impact my own face <laughs> sure. or my own body. Um, it's another important point that you brought up about price points. Because mm-hmm. I think, as we've talked in class about veganism in general, it is a place of privilege to be able to afford some yes. of this. And that's not to say that we don't want to work towards a society where become cheaper then. I mean, like the more we give to these organizations with these values, the more prevalent it'll become and hopefully the more accessible it will Mm be. But as of right now, when most people go into the store, I feel like they're not thinking about labels, right? It's, It's about what you can afford. I know that's the same for me too. Sure. So- uh, unfortunately, financial ability comes into play. Um, and it's important to recognize that too, that even those of us that really have strong convictions in, the, in this way, maybe just can't make that next step. Right. So for those of us who maybe do have some desire to make these choices that are conscientious but don't have the pocketbook for it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a really good way to help out would just be to um, support cruelty-free businesses in another way that's not financially, but it's through calling your Congress member, um, calling your state legislators, finding local lobbying groups or grassroots groups, and just telling them that you want to change the way that we look at cosmetic products, right? And wanting to make sure that whether it's a deodorant you buy or a lotion or a facial cleanser, that you know where those products are coming from and that it's not coming from a place of cruelty. On top of that, is there anything else that you would recommend to the listeners as far as uh, maybe a certain product line that you really love? I know Mm -hmm. we talked about R&Co already. Yeah. Um, Product line, documentary, something that's really inspired you?
1: Yeah. Well, there are some documentaries and a book that I love. So... The book that I love is called Meatonomics. And I have to be honest, I'm not finished reading it yet. <laughs> I'm like halfway through. But the whole point is it's talking about the meat economy and about how the government intervenes with the meat and dairy industries and their subsidies and the different law, the lawsuits involved. It's very interesting. It's great research. So I would recommend that book if anybody is just looking at it for an objective thing about how the government deals mm-hmm. with the animal, like, Industry, the agriculture industry. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few documentaries that I prefer because I love to just unwind and watch a documentary. Sometimes I have had a long day, so reading a book is not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But my favorite documentaries that are about animal ethics are Forks Over Knives, which okay. is definitely about the health and uh, of humans and about uh, whole food, whole food, plant-based eating and lifestyle. So mm-hmm. how that affects like cancer rates, heart disease, et cetera. And Cowspiracy is one of my other favorite documentaries. And that one is all about the environmental impacts of agriculture, especially animal agriculture. Mm-hmm. So that's really Really inspiring, actually, and uh, really research based. I really enjoyed that one. Mm -hmm. And there's also a really great documentary about bees called Queen of the Sun. Oh, nice. And I think that one's on Netflix. And that one just talks about how our industry or the the food industry deals with bees. And It's really, really interesting to see what has to happen to have our food like or like plants pollinated to make us food. So that one's really powerful too.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think like as a vegan myself, it's like the bees are like the last thing where I don't know how to feel about it sometimes. So that would be really helpful to see. It's a
1: really great documentary. It talks about how they bring them in to do the pollination and how they should like, I don't know. You just have to watch it. It's really, really good. It's really good. Awesome. Yeah. How about any products at all that you would say? Oh, yeah. Um... Well, some of the cosmetic companies, like as far as makeup is concerned, mm-hmm. ColourPop is really popular. Okay. As far as very low price, like a, affordable, and a very ethically run business, and if, I think everything's vegan in their line. I might be mis- like I might mis- be mistaken, but it's extremely, extremely vegan. If okay. it's, uh, if there might be a couple products that aren't, so don't quote me. Be, be sure to check. But we do order some for our makeup kits here, and. Uh, that one's awesome and affordable, mm-hmm. cheaper than even like at the store. Oh, so okay. you can get a really good idea of what's in your products. Um, and then we carry Co, which stands for Rogan Company. And that company is amazing. And you can order their products online. And a lot of salons have it as well. Mm. It's very popular. They have
0: like shampoos, conditioners, yep. Styling like products. dry shampoos. They even? have dry
1: shampoos. They have like four different ones, four different dry shampoos. Yes, it's an incredible product line. I feel like... We have sold double of that product line than any other product line we've ever had just because it's it works so well. So okay. those ones are awesome, but there's just so many now that I feel like, you know, and you can, when you're researching it online, they show you all the ingredients. You can always read through them as well. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, great. This has been really inspiring, I think, and motivating to kind of take back some of um, our choices and say, okay, like, how can I be conscientious in what I'm choosing to consume because there's so many different choices that we make every single day and we do it sometimes without even thinking. I know um, I'll go run to the grocery store and forget my reusable bag on the counter literally (laughs) nearly every time and we have like a growing paper bag collection in my house. So there's just so many different ways that we can be environmentally conscious that we can we can help support uh, groups and organizations that that are devoting their mission to animals um, and to animal rights and welfare. Um, so thank you so much for that. And it's been really great to talk. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to um, just keep exploring the community of Columbus, Ohio and all the <laughs> yes, vegans here. There's a lot. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Hi, this is Garrett. This is Brandon. And Ava. We're here with Eden Burger, which is an entirely vegan, fast-casual restaurant in Columbus, Ohio. Please come out and try our delicious plant-based food. Thank you for listening to Seeing Animals. That was a keeper. That's the one.